What's up, sports fans? It's Jordan Glasgow from Sports Talk. Want to remind you, you can catch me every Friday as well on the College Football Preview Show, streaming live right here on Anchor and Spotify. So don't miss it if you're a college football junkie like me. Tune in. We'll be breaking down all the upcoming action for the weekend, including next Saturday. Big matchup in the swamp. Florida, LSU, both teams coming off of tough losses on the road. How will they rebound? Well, we'll talk about it Friday on the College Football Preview Show. What is going on, sports fans? It is Monday, October 12th. Welcome into Sports Talk with Jordan Glasgow. Of course, that's me. And uh, lots to talk about on today's show. Really, uh, a lot. We've got a little bit of baseball, a little bit of uh, football, a lot of football, actually. Some college and NFL stuff to talk about on today's show. How about some baseball first? ALS, or ALCS, excuse me, uh, is already underway. Rays and Astros. Game one happened last night. Uh, they'll continue to play on throughout the week. Best of seven series. So first team to win to four is going to go to that series. And you got to look at the pitching. you got to look at the hitting for both of these teams. This is going to be a fun series to watch. I fully expect this to be a six, maybe even a seven-game series. I just think both of these teams right now uh, are, are playing really good baseball. And you look at the Rays, you know, with the way that they played the Yankees in the ALDS, you know, losing game one, coming back, winning game two and game three, losing game four, winning game five in such a an emotional way. Uh, you know, game one, little slow start for them, understandably, coming off of that emotional game on Friday night, only having one day rest and, uh, you know, uh, potentially having to use Blake Snell in that game, which thankfully they didn't for the Rays because then they would have been in trouble as far as who would have been their starter because I don't know if they put Glass now on the mound for game one. Seems like you want to save him for maybe game two or game three, give him a couple more days rest. So, um, But they didn't have to use him Friday night against the Yankees, and they were able to use him last night against the Astros. Uh, for the NLCS, that actually gets started tonight, 7.30 on TBS. Or excuse me, on Fox. The ALCS is on TBS. The NLCS is on Fox. The Braves and Dodgers are going to go at it. And like I said, uh, with the Rays and the Astros, these are two teams that right now in the American League are playing the best baseball. Same thing for the National League. I think both of the CS series, I, I think for the NL and the AL, we have two fantastic series between four great teams. And I think it's going to lead to having a fantastic World Series as well. So um, Braves Dodgers tonight, 730. Game one on Fox. Game two, Rays Astros on TBS. So lots to look forward there on the Diamond Big League Baseball Awkward season. Uh, I saw somebody or I heard somebody the other night talking about the Rays Astros or excuse me, the Rays Yankees game on Friday night after they played. They were talking about the uh, the season and he said the regular season, but then he changed it and said it's more so like the irregular season. And I, I like that. I thought that was appropriate for what we have uh, this year and really all of sports outside of football because football is still getting to play. Albeit a little odd and off because, you know, we're having these games canceled or postponed or delayed or moved to different dates because of COVID or with college football, not playing some games at all, shortened season. So it is changing a little bit, but at least they're getting to play in the right time of year that they normally play. And it's going to affect sports moving forward as well, because we're looking at basketball not starting till around Christmas. 
uh, hockey. I don't think they're going to start till around Christmas as well. Um, so there's still going to be, uh, you know, some offness towards those typical winter, spring, summer sports. I think baseball might be able to get things back on track after this year. Obviously, with spring training not really starting until you know March ish time frame for next year. So they might actually be able to get back on track, but basketball and hockey still going to be affected by this because they'd be getting ready to start their season right about this time. So, um, but again, baseball still going right now, ALCS Rays and Astros, NLCS Braves and Dodgers expect two great series, um, between four really good baseball teams and whoever plays in the world series and whoever wins the world series, it's definitely going to have to earn it because they've got to get through very good teams in the championship series for their division, for their league. And then they've got to beat whoever they're playing from the either American or national league. And that is not going to be easy with these four teams we have left. Let's move on now to some football. You know, we've got a lot of NFL to talk about. So obviously with yesterday being Sunday, there's plenty of stuff to talk about from games, but some off the field stuff as well. Um, Dak Prescott, we'll start talking about the, uh, the Dallas New York game from yesterday. Dak Prescott, a tough injury right there, um, right ankle. If you saw it, you saw it. If not, I'm sure YouTube probably has it. I would advise you not to go look at it. Um, just a horrible injury. It's an injury we've seen before in football. Uh, if you're a Florida fan, it's not too different than maybe the Felipe Franks. I think maybe Felipe Franks might have been a little bit worse because Felipe Franks had a break and a dislocation where this could be just one or the other. Not entirely sure because... As of recording this podcast, this episode, still not 100% sure what is wrong with Dak Prescott, exactly what happened, but it was an ugly injury. Thoughts and prayers go out to him, and uh, hopefully it's a speedy recovery and, and for the Dallas Cowboys can get him back. But good news for the Dallas Cowboys in this situation. Very smart. Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones and the staff there in Dallas, very smart to go out and get a backup quarterback who is a a veteran quarterback who has experience in starting. Of course, I'm talking about Andy Dalton. And no matter what you think of Andy Dalton, I mean, this is a guy that honestly and truthfully, if there was a guy that belongs in the Dallas Cowboys organization that should be Dak Prescott's backup, it's Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was the quarterback in college at TCU, not too far from Dallas Cowboys. Um, so it's one of those things to where, you know, I, I think it was kind of the, the the right fit for him to be there. And uh, I think for Dallas, that's kind of maybe a silver lining in all this. Yes, you're losing Dak Prescott, but you've got a guy there that knows how to start and, and knows how to be somewhat successful. I'm not going to sit here and say knows how to be elite in the NFL, uh, but he knows how to be somewhat successful. And I think right now when you look at the NFC East, somewhat successful will probably win that division. As a matter of fact, right now at two and three, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are currently sitting in first place of that division. Everybody else at one loss except for the Giants, who are sitting at 0-5. So um, Andy Dalton, uh, despite what you think of him, whether you think he's a good quarterback or a mediocre quarterback or a bad quarterback, he's probably going to be enough to win that division for the Dallas Cowboys as they are currently sitting in first. And honestly and truthfully, don't really see that changing as we continue on throughout the season just from what I've seen from the other teams because the Washington football team, which, by the way, get a mascot. That just, it's starting to sound ridiculous. The Washington football team, because I, I, I saw something that was talking about the teams that will have the most salary cap spend in 2021. And it was just, it, it, the, the list was done by just mascot names. So it was like the Titans, the, 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 the Packers, the Dolphins. At number five on the list, it just said the football team. So 
I understand why you're calling yourself the Washington football team. I understand why you changed your name. I, I get all that. I'm not going to try to get into the politics on this show because that's not something we're going to do here. But try to put a speedy rush on getting that mascot because the Washington football team is starting to run its course. Although it was nice to see Alex Smith back on the field for them. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But yeah, Washington football team. The Giants, the Eagles, not really seeing a lot from those guys. So I think with Andy Dalton at the quarterback position filling in for Dak Prescott because of the injury for the Cowboys, you know, the weapons that he's going to have, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, I think the Cowboys will be just fine. And I'm still going to pick with them, still going to ride with them to be my NFC East champions um, as they just continue to uh, play. You know, that. <sighs> I almost said play good football. They played good football. They played okay football. They played winning football, actually. They've just, you know, a couple of plays different here and there in their favor against Seattle late in that game. They probably could actually pull off that win on the road. And all of a sudden, their schedule, instead of being two and three, they're three and two. They did a great job coming back against Atlanta. Yes, Atlanta helped them out a little bit in that game, but nonetheless, the Cowboys did make plays to get back into that game. So Dallas has played decent football on the season, despite their record being below 500. They've played decently. It's a lot like, you know, you look at the Miami Dolphins. It's a lot like the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, if you really break down their play, have not played bad. They have not played bad. They've played several really good football teams. I mean, you look at it, three of the five teams that the Dolphins have played are the Bills, the Patriots, and the Seahawks, three very good football teams in the NFL. And they played those teams close, had an opportunity to beat Seattle, had opportunities to beat Buffalo, probably could have had more opportunities to beat New England week one, but, uh, you know, just kind of not really gelling and not really working together well in that game. So, um, you know, the, the Dolphins and the Cowboys are kind of in a similar situation. Yes, their record is below 500, but they've actually played some decent ball so far through 2020. And I think because of that, with Andy Dalton coming in, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, and then that defense is the defense is actually playing pretty good for the Cowboys right now as well. So um, I, I do still like the Cowboys, despite the injury to Dak Prescott in the NFC East. The Atlanta Falcons... In the NFC South, however, we mentioned them a moment ago because of that choke job they had against the Dallas Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. They followed that up with yet another choke job to the uh, Chicago Bears. And it's just continued to get worse for them. They lose 23-16 to the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. And reports coming out of Atlanta are that that was the final nail in the coffin for Dan Quinn. That we're getting early reports. And this, again, this is early reports and nothing guaranteed. Again, at the time of recording this episode... Nothing guaranteed that Dan Quinn is officially gone, but you got to think 0-5, their first 0-5 start since, I believe, 1997 for the Atlanta Falcons. So you got to think Dan Quinn probably is on his way out, whether it happens now, whether it happens at the end of the season. And that's one thing that, you know, uh, you hear former players that played for the Atlanta Falcons. You hear them talk, and one of the things that they say a lot is that when it comes to firing coaches, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons does not like to fire guys in the middle of the season. He likes to wait till the end of the year. So Dan Quinn could possibly, maybe they go ahead and make the announcement that they're parting ways at the end of the season, let him finish out the year because really what's he going to do if they do let him go? Where's he going to go? I mean, he could go take another job, but I don't think he can actually physically coach in 2020. He would have to wait until next season. Um, so I, I think it, it could be a situation where they go ahead and make the announcement, let him finish out the year. Or they just wait till the end of the year and make the announcement then. Either way, 
you got to think Dan Quinn is on his way out. You got to think Dan Quinn and Adam Gase. Look, the Jets brought Adam Gase in. I, I, I don't understand why they brought Adam Gase in. Dan Quinn, I understand why the Falcons brought him in. He was the defensive coordinator at Florida. Then he leaves to go be the defensive coordinator at Seattle. They win a Super Bowl. They had the Legion of Boom defense under Dan Quinn at Seattle. And he gets that head coaching job, takes over the Atlanta program, flips it around, gets them to the Super Bowl. They blow a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl, and it just has not recovered since. So it's kind of an unfortunate situation for Dan Quinn. I get Adam Adam Gase needing to be fired at, at, at the Jets because if the Jets want any chance of being a competent football program, you've got to get Adam Gase the hell out of town. I mean, you you've got to get him out and away. Like send him as far away as possible. Fire him and send him ban him from being in the state of New York or New Jersey because technically that's where the Jets play. So you got to fire him and ban him from coming back to that state because you don't want him anywhere near that program. Um, but as far as Dan Quinn, it's just a tough situation because he's a guy that he took over this this job in Atlanta, did a good job, got him to a Super Bowl. And like I said, they just haven't been able to recover from what happened in that Super Bowl. Um, but uh, Dan Quinn's going to get some opportunities. Um, I, I think Dan Quinn is going to get some different looks and different types of job opportunities. And we'll talk more about that coming up in a little bit, because there is a place in college football at a major program in college football. He could possibly end up. Um, we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. We want to continue on through the NFL here. How about the Miami dolphins? We mentioned them a moment ago, despite the fact they're below 500, they continue to play pretty decent football on the year. Ryan Fitzpatrick plays outside his mind. I don't know what happened to this Miami Dolphins team on the way to San Francisco. I don't know what happened to them during the week at practice, but they flipped a switch that, my goodness, absolutely just roll over the 49ers. 43-17, the final of that game yesterday. Uh, it, it, it Just about anything Ryan Fitzpatrick threw came down in the hands of, of a Miami Dolphins receiver. Um, you, you know, With the way he's playing like that, you know, Tua's not seeing the field anytime soon. And uh, that's that's another thing we were going to talk about today is two a time. So let's go ahead and, and, and address this situation um, because there are a lot of Miami Dolphin fans who want to see Tua. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. You use a top five pick in the NFL draft for a quarterback. You want to see that quarterback come in and play. The problem is you've got a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick who's actually playing some pretty decent ball this year. The only thing I can come up with for Dolphin fans that would want to see Tua and that I could actually go with as far as wanting to see Tua over Fitzpatrick it's right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing good ball, yes, but he is also a liability at some junctures of the game. You saw this past weekend, it looked phenomenal on the road in San Francisco. The week before was a little iffy against Seattle. There were some throws that he made that if two is in the game, two and maybe puts a little bit more touch on the ball. The pass goes a little bit different direction, maybe a little different speed. And those those minor things that aren't really thought about can really change a pass from possibly being an interception, an incompletion, or a completion. Uh, there's one where it's 10-3 to Seattle. Miami's in the red zone. They've got an opportunity to tie it up. It's a third down. They run a post route from the slot. I can't remember the receiver that ran it, uh, but he runs a post route from the slot. Ryan Fitzpatrick, as he typically does on most of these throws, just hauls back and fires a laser across the middle, not really putting a lot of touch on the ball. The ball almost gets picked off. It ends up being incomplete, but it gets picked, almost gets picked off. And in this situation, again, one of the, the arguments that I've seen Miami Dolphins fans make is that in that situation, you know, with the way Tua Tonga Viola reads the field, with the way he throws the ball from what we've seen from him at college, 
And from what we've seen from him during private workouts and practices and things like that from videotape that's been released from those, is that Tua would have actually put a little touch on the ball and maybe angled it more towards the upright on the goalpost, giving the receiver more of an opportunity to get underneath the ball and can make the catch in the end zone rather than putting it right on the line to where both the linebacker and the safety would have a play at it, which is what Ryan Fitzpatrick did. So that's the only case I can come up with right now as for why Tua should play over Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because right now, like I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing really good football for the Miami Dolphins. Aside from a couple of mistakes against Seattle, a couple of mistakes against New England, really, he's kept Miami Dolphins and made plays for the Miami Dolphins uh, in a lot or most of their games. So I, I just, for two a time, you're going to have to hold off on that. You're going to have to wait. A date I would have circle if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, October 25th. That's your bye week. That's the week. That's the weekend of your bye week. That's the Sunday of your bye week. Maybe possibly they could hand him the reins then. But right now they're two and three. They play the Jets next. I got to think that they've got a great opportunity of being three and three heading into the bye week. So I'm not even sure that that happens then because if Ryan Fitzpatrick continues to play like he did against San Francisco yesterday, if he continues to play that way against the Jets, which I mean, it's the Jets. So more than likely, he probably will look that good against the Jets. Um, I, I think that he's probably going to stay in. But if, I, if I'm if i a betting man, if Brian Flores was to make a move, make a move in a bye week. That way it gives Tua two weeks to prepare as a starting quarterback for his first start inside the NFL. If that doesn't happen then, then it's probably going to be one of the last couple of weeks of the season. Let's say the Dolphins get eliminated from playoff contention. There's maybe three weeks left in the season. Might happen sooner than that. I don't know. But if the Dolphins get eliminated from playoff contention, you might see Tua come in and finish out the year then. Hell, you never know. Might even be next year before you see Tua hit the field because, like I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick playing some pretty good football for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Somebody didn't play pretty good football, but still good to see out there. Alex Smith, we talked about that, coming back on the field for the Washington football team. Uh, I can remember where I was when we all saw the injury. It was was actually at a work event. At the time, I was actually an on-air personality for a country station in the Florida Panhandle. We actually had like a charity concert that we were putting on that night. And obviously the game was on the TVs backstage before the event started. So a lot of the guys were gathered around the TVs watching it. And um, just a tough injury to watch. A tough injury to watch. A lot like what we saw from Dak Prescott's injury yesterday. You know, it's it's always tough to see those type of injuries happen. But to see Alex Smith almost lose his leg and come back and fight and work his ass off the way he did uh, really deserved that opportunity that he got yesterday. And I, I could not be more excited for him, could not be more proud for him. He is uh, unfortunately playing with the Washington football team. Uh, and you'll have to excuse me. If I do say Washington Redskins, it's just memory and, and muscle memory. So if that offends you and I do say that, you'll have to forgive me for that. But I will try to say Washington football team whenever talking about these guys. Unfortunately, it's a shit offensive line that they do have. And they ended up getting him sacked six times. So um, <laughs> it's it was it was good to see him. But every time he got hit, you held your breath and, and panicked a little bit because you didn't want to see him stay down once he got hit. But the good news is once he did get hit, I mean, close-up shots on him. He was almost smiling after sacks. You know, it was like a a kid who had not been in a candy store for six years, finally stepped foot into uh, the biggest candy store in the world and was just so happy and so excited. That's the look that Alex Smith had on his face. And that's why this is such a, a great feel-good story. And 
congratulations to Alex Smith. Uh, you know, congratulations to his wife, his three kids. They they really, you know, were, were a great support team and and stuck by him and, and and kind of continued to support him throughout this in this tough, tough battle that he had fighting back from this injury. Some more NFL news. Oakland knocking off the Super Bowl champs, Kansas City. That is a crucial uh, AFC West win for them. And that was just a, a, a great game, a great game. You know, John Gruden is still one of those coaches when he dials it up and calls a fantastic game. You know, he had one of those games a, a few weeks ago against New Orleans on a Monday night. When he really dials up a great game plan, I, there's not really much that can be done against that. And Kansas City, again, you know, like I said, they had a great game against New Orleans on a Monday night, kind of dropped down from that afterwards for a couple of weeks. But we're back on point yesterday against Kansas City, getting that big, big win. And we got actually a couple of games tonight for Monday Night Football. It's like I said, with COVID kind of messing with everything, you got a couple of opportunities to watch some decent teams and some not-so-decent teams. Um, Denver, one of the not-so-decent teams, is going to be on the road taking on New England. And then you also have the Chargers taking on New Orleans. Both of those games are going to be on ESPN. I believe the uh, Denver... The Broncos and the Patriots game, I believe that's going to get started at around 5 o'clock Eastern time. So that is definitely going to be a, a early start. Um, and then they'll obviously get the Chargers-Saints game underway uh, a little after that one once it's over. So um, two Monday night football games coming up. We've even got Tuesday night football this week with the Bills and the Titans, two undefeated teams taking each other on there. Um, so some late week football, some football we're not used to having in the NFL. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. If there's anything good coming out of COVID, it's the fact that we now have football games on Tuesday night inside the NFL. And we have multiple games inside the uh, NFL on Monday nights as well. So if there's anything that you want to call good coming from this global pandemic that we're dealing with, that's probably the only thing that you could come up with. Something that's not good is Florida's defense. Florida's defense is atrocious. It's horrible. If you listen to the college football recap we aired yesterday, they are a team that really needs to get things going defensively and, and, and get better, and I, I don't think they do it with Todd Grantham. And we talked about on that episode that I was going to name out four guys that I thought could be a good fill-in and a good replacement for Todd Grantham when, and I'm going to say when he is fired, because I, I, at this point, I don't think there's any other option for Florida but to release Todd Grantham as their defensive coordinator. I, I, I really don't. I mean, you look at it, it's like a situation with the Atlanta Falcons and Dan Quinn. I, I, they have to release him. There's there's 0-5 for the Atlanta Falcons. You look at what's happened with the Florida defense. There's There is no way that they can keep Todd Grantham on staff for Florida and be a championship football team. So I think Todd Grantham goes, and Dan Quinn actually is one of the guys at the top of my list that I think would be a viable option for defense defensive coordinator at the University of Florida. Why? He's been there before, and the defense that he had there was phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. You look at guys like Dante Fowler Jr., those guys played under Dan Quinn, and they did a phenomenal job. I mean, one of the best defenses not only in the country – but the SEC as well, and and that's something that they're really going to be looking for with a new defensive coordinator at the Florida football program. So um, I, I think Dan Quinn is a guy that could be an option. The only problem here is I saw somebody make this comment, and I think they're actually on to something here. Dan Quinn may not want to play or may not want to coach at the college level unless it's a head coaching job, and I can understand that. Why would you want to go from a head coach in the NFL to being a coordinator at the college level? I could completely understand that, um, but at the same time, I think for him to return back to a place like Florida, 
be able because right now I, I find it hard pressed that with the way things have gone with him in Atlanta, that if the Falcons do let him go middle of the season, a team like the Houston Texans, who will be looking for a new head coach, are going to give him a call because of the way things have gone. So I find it hard-pressed that he is going to be able to find a job as a head coach inside the NFL, maybe even as a defensive coordinator inside the NFL. So this may be the right the right route for him to go, kind of get back in the good graces with a lot of GMs and things in, in, in the NFL, prove that he's still a quality coach, maybe win a couple of championships in the process with Florida, and then get back into the NFL either as a defensive coordinator or a head coach. This could be that route for him. So we'll see what happens with Dan Quinn. Um, that's just, again, that's a guy that's on my list. Another guy on my list, Will Muschamp. I, I have Will Muschamp on there because <laughs> Will Muschamp's on there because he's a fan favorite. There's a lot of Florida fans that would love to see Will Muschamp come back to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Florida because a lot of Florida fans loved Will Muschamp when he was the head coach. I think if you talk to a lot of Florida fans, they wish that the tenure with Will Muschamp would have gone different. Because Will Muschamp was a fiery guy. He loved being at UF. This is a guy that grew up wanting to play for Steve Spurrier. Hell, he made a recruiting visit to the University of Florida. Steve Spurrier was too busy out on the links to come in. He was playing around round of golf. And uh, I think in, that's one of the reasons why Will Muschamp ended up going to the University of Georgia and walking onto the football team there is because he could not get onto the team at the University of Florida because of the way that meeting went with Spurrier. Um, so... He's a guy that loved Florida, grew up a Florida fan. That was that was home for him. You know, he loved that job. And I think Florida fans loved him. So bringing him back would kind of be a, a feel-good move that would actually definitely bring an aggressive defense to that Florida Gator football team. The only problem with this is that he and Dan Mullen, while they're very similar in certain ways, they're also very different in, in a good bit of ways. And I think the ways that they are different could be ways that actually cause them to clash and butt heads. They are two fiery guys and two great competitors, but they go about it in different ways. And I think because they go about it in different ways, that could be the problem with these two guys being on the same staff. I, I think maybe if they were on the same staff, Dan Mullen as an offensive coordinator, Will Muschamp as a defensive coordinator, it would work better than with one being the head coach and the other one being a coordinator under said person. But we would see. We would see. I mean, I think a lot of experts, a lot of quote-unquote experts would say probably that this is it for Will Muschamp at South Carolina. I'm not glossing over the fact that he's still at South Carolina. I know he's still there, um, but I think a lot of people are expecting that to kind of come to an end at the end of the season. A lot of Gamecocks fans want that to come to an end at the end of the season. I mean, they're calling in the radio show and asking how he sleeps at night because he's stealing so much money from the athletic director and the athletic department. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's bad right now in Columbia, South Carolina for Will Muschamp. So if he is fired, that could be another viable option for the Florida Gators. Another one, another again, another former defensive coordinator for the Florida Gators. How about Charlie Strong? Charlie Strong is a guy that, look, he is a former defensive coordinator at Florida. He was the head coach at Louisville, was Teddy Bridgewater's head coach at Louisville, went on to have a stint at Texas, went on to have a stint at South Florida. Now... He's actually working as, I believe, an analyst is the technical term at Alabama on the defensive side of the ball. So um, he has kind of you know moved around, and now he's back in the SEC. If he's looking to kind of get back to being a coordinator and maybe eventually being back at a head coach, 
this could be a, a possible option, you know, and, and a step in the right direction for him, kind of like with Dan Quinn, where this could be that step that kind of starts to build him back up to being a head coach, either in college or maybe even there might be some team in the NFL that wants to give him a, a, a DC shot. So you never know. Um, Charlie Strong, again, there's some there there was some bad blood between Charlie Strong and the athletic direct uh, department at Fol at uh, at Florida uh, with Jeremy Foley was there as the athletic director. Not blaming Jeremy Foley, but just some situations where Charlie Strong wanted the head coaching job at Florida, didn't get it. Felt a little slighted by it. Felt a little slighted by that. Um, so uh, there was some bad blood because of that. But you know that might be water under the bridge now. There's a new regime in there as the athletic department, athletic director with Scott Strickland. So that could be something to where Dan Mullen, who, by the way, was the offensive coordinator at Florida when Charlie Strong was the defensive coordinator. They won a national championship together there. So that could possibly be a matchup that we see as well. Another one, another guy that's tied to Florida. I'm going big with the guys that have ties to Florida. This guy didn't coach at Florida. He played at Florida, though. He did coach in the SEC, and I'm talking about Gene Chizik. Just going to give you a second and let that marinate and sit in. Gene Chizik, and I'll be quick with this. This guy is a good defensive football coach. He's he's one of the better defensive minds in college football. A lot of people don't want to give him that credit, but he is. He's a smart defensive coach. They would play fast, they would play physical, and they would be aggressive under him, which is exactly the type of defense you want in the SEC. So I think with Gene Chizik, Charlie Strong, Dan Quinn, Will Muschamp, right there, there's four names that could be on a short list for Florida. If they do pull the trigger and they do fire Todd Grantham, which I think they should, there are four names that are quality replacements that I think would get this defense back on track within one offseason. I, I think that's how quick they could get things back on track. So we'll only see, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, only time will tell for us. And we'll be talking about it as it continues on throughout the season. Right now, Todd Grantham's still the defensive coordinator at Florida. It looks like he may stay that way heading into the LSU game. I don't know. Dan Mullen could come out in his press conference tomorrow and announce that he's fired Todd Grantham. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, only time will tell. And we will be back with more time coming up Tuesday. More Sports Talk with Jordan Glasgow right here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to follow us, you can on Twitter. It's at ST underscore the podcast. Again, it's at ST underscore the podcast. You guys have a great Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow.